A locavore is a person who chooses to consume food that is grown, raised or produced locally. This is the Locavore Podcast, brought to you by White's IGA. Well, welcome to the Locavore Podcast. We're going to flip the table today and do something a little bit different. My name is Dave Matthews and I'm a local Sunshine Coast media and radio personality and I'm uh, working with Roz on, on building this podcast into something pretty special and highlighting the awesome Locavores program that you guys have within the White's IGA stores. Now, I wanted to dig a little bit deeper because on the, on the exterior, you're a beautiful, uh, soft, auntie of the Sunshine Coast kind of personality. But I know behind that exterior, you've got uh, a driven uh, businesswoman mind and you've got an incredible personality. And we've got a lot to learn from, to be honest, when it comes to the lovely Rosalind Jane White. Ah, it's funny you pick out that name, Jane. Why? That was my beautiful sister's name that I was super, super close to. Really? That I lost 13 years ago. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, so how bizarre that you said that name. That's amazing because, um, yeah, obviously she's still very much in my heart. Interesting. And, um, but no, I'm not revealing my middle name. I'm sorry. <laughs> I did actually ask some of your staff what your middle name was and th- none of them knew. Well, why would I? Why would they know these things? Some things are not to be known. <laughs> Roz, you are an incredible person, and I've got to know you a little bit more over the last few weeks mm-hmm. as we're recording this podcast, and we've had some incredible stories from local producers here on the Sunshine Coast, and I've really enjoyed just hearing the stories of the awesome local producers that we have here on the Sunshine Coast, but also the respect and admiration that these local producers have for one human being here on the Sunshine Coast, which is you. Uh, you're an absolute powerhouse and there's a, there's a respect there. And I wonder, I'm trying to figure out what exactly that is, whether it is your empathy or whether it is, you know, just, just what you offer to the Sunshine Coast as a leader in business. And just also just an understanding of, of starting from something small and building it into something quite big. Because we're talking to Roz White, the owner of, how many White's IGAs do you guys have now? Uh, five and I'm I'm... Pregnant with my sixth. You got a sixth on the way. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. I didn't want to say anything. <laughs> um, so where, where's that one going? Forest Glen, yeah. So we're very excited about the new Forest Glen store, which we believe will be a really a central, fairly central location for a lot of people coming yep. and going. And, and, you know, she's coming together beautifully. She's got a bit of sass, this one. Right. Which is a good thing, I think. You know, yep. she's showing her personality early. We've had a few challenges, but she's going to be absolutely beautiful. <laughs> I love hearing that about the the way you think about stores as they, you know, they do have a personality because, you know, you you just walk into a White's IGA and you go, okay, it's, yeah, it's a nice vibe. But so much thought and, and planning has gone into. Mm. What what brings the sass out of the new one that, that you um, think is just the, the little bit of difference, point of difference from yeah, the other I ones? I don't know. But, you know, they do absolutely have a personality. Yeah. Or maybe I've got a really warped way of thinking about them. But they, <laughs> I think what I do is try and every single store that I design and create, I really build for that community and mm. try and respect and reflect the community where it sits. So I'm thinking about the history, the background, the stories, the nuances, the vibe, you know, of and the personality of the community itself which yeah. comes from the amazing people and I really take that to a micro level I will actually go into a community and sit and talk to the locals to get an understanding of what sort of store 
that they would enjoy and then listen and respond and create a store based on that I build a store for them, for their community. Wow. And that's what I love about you is that you you, you don't just live in the Sunshine Coast and, and take, take, take. A lot of what you do, Roz, is what I can see from an outsider's perspective is that you give so much of yourself, you know, whether it's your knowledge or whether it's your your care factor of, of understanding the lo- local communities. Because the Sunny Coast is built up of so many different yeah. communities. Like yeah. it's, it's a community of communities. Mm-hmm. And I love that your appreciation of that as mm-hmm. well and your respect towards that. I did want to go back a little bit. Well, actually, I don't, I don't want to say a long time, but I would love to know about little Rosie White <gasps> uh, when, when, when she was a young girl. Tell me a bit about your growing up. Where did you grow up? What was your family dynamic? And and where did this passion for community come mm. from? I was just that scra- – I'm a scratchy little kid from the bush. And, you know, in my heart I, I am and I always will be and that's how I, I, how I think about myself. So I'm still that carefree, happy, free child that's running around with – you know, rat's tail hair, unbrushed, no <laughs> shoes, running across the prickles, chasing after brothers and sisters. You know, I'm the youngest of eight kids. Uh, grew up on a farm with my mum and dad, very hardworking. Dad was a really very, very, very hardworking man. He's a grazier and a farmer. And my mother was a very refined lady. And they're the perfect combination because dad was always, I, I think he imparted that that re- resilience through his toughness. Mm. My father was not a rough man. He was mm. quite refined, but he was tough. And my mother complemented that with, you know, her style and her elegance. But we were just happy, carefree kids that were able to just get on and enjoy life. And there was a lot of... I suppose being the youngest of eight children, I had four older brothers, three elder sisters, and my four brothers were just naughty monkeys, all of them. (laughs) And I grew up in an environment where it was just, you just get on and do it. And there wasn't really much, you know, there was no real formalities to, you know, how we live life or whatever, apart from when we came to the dinner table Mm. and, uh, and we were always taught the best of manners and politeness. But, yeah, when I was a little kid, here's an example. I was about six or seven years old. And uh, had some genes on that were probably handed down from, you know, another older sister. Probably, yeah, could have been, even been a brother. And um, <laughs> yeah, this skinny see your little, ripped genes yeah, today yeah. Yeah, from your brother. Yeah, yeah probably. <laughs> just this skinny little scratchy little kid. Yeah. And probably would have had a pair of boots on just to be safe. But um, I'll never forget it as long as I live. Uh, my brother popped me up on the back of this horse, Sparks, at all our whole family had learnt to ride on. She was a beautiful horse. Popped my feet in the stirrups, I grabbed the reins, and just whacked it on its backside and off it went. And that's <laughs> yeah. how I learnt to ride a horse. Did you? And it was very – that was really the essence of my childhood growing up. Yeah. You know, I was on a motorbike when I was 10 years old, way too big for me, one of my brother's bikes. But, you know, we – I was fearless, absolutely fearless. And yeah. some of the things that I did as a kid, you know, I would never allow my children to do. Isn't that funny? Oh, yeah. And I'd be on tractors, in trucks, you know, after school. It was my job with my brother sometimes. You're talking 14 years old and we'd go and load up the back of the old Austin. I think it was bright yellow. <laughs> yes, okay. Uh, and uh, with, with hay and, yeah. um, you know, be throwing bales of hay around this scoring little kid at 14. Yeah. Loading up the back of the truck and backing it into the yards and feeding the wieners after school and um, mustering with dad and like through 4,000 acres of dense scrub, yeah. through cobwebs, 
flat out because my, my father, if I'd if I'd let a bullet go or uh, you know didn't close the gate in time, I, yeah, well, you know, You'd be they in were not negotiables. Yeah, right. And so, did you have a great relationship with your mum and dad? Because I know you value family so much these days. Yeah. I know you value your family, uh, your husband, and your kids as well, who are who are, have grown up to be incredible people. And um, and and you know, you have a great relationship with your husband. We we're just talking before the mm. podcast started of of your respect and admiration for him. Family is so important, but that has to that that appreciation of family has to start from early on. Mm. So you you've understood the family unit when you're younger, mm. and has that been a driving force to you creating a, again a nice family unit for yeah. you for your kids? Definitely. Yeah. Uh, I was a fortunate child, and yeah. I was in a happy environment and getting lots of love from all those brothers and sisters, and our grandparents that lived you know 100 meters in the original homestead, grandma and granddad Kimba and um, and granddad, actually, my grandfather was a real community man. Yes. And he he sat on boards and, you know, the hospital board. He was the local mayor. Yeah. Um, so, you know, maybe I get that community spirit from him. But, but yeah, look, I think it's just respect. Yeah. It's love and respect and gratefulness. Yeah, Just okay. being grateful for yeah. what we have. Um, yeah, and I just, I always feel grateful. I think when you're the youngest, you always look up to people. Yes. I, I know, and that's probably why I have such admiration for my brothers and sisters. Sure. They're all different. They're very different to who I am. Yeah. And I'm a very different person when I'm around them. I kind of revert back to that, you know, oh, I know who I am in the pecking order. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. right? Um, and so I absolutely, you know, as a little girl growing up, just always looked up to my brothers and sisters. They were my heroes and yeah, they wow. still are and they always will be. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Tell me a little bit about the area that you grew up because I, I know you, you spoke to me a while ago about, you know, warming your feet up in the cow patties and, mm. and just all those little moments that people who live in suburbia yeah. haven't really experienced yeah. before. What was it like? What was the area that you lived in, and, and what did it look like? What was the house look? What did the house look like that you lived in? Yeah, so we, I grew up in the North Burnet in a little tiny place called Colston Lakes, which not a lot, a lot of people wouldn't sure. know where that is. It was um, there's really just a little shop and a school and a hall, and it's sort of sits in between a place called Biggenden, which is where I was born, at the hospital there, and then Ban Ban Springs, which is kind of. Uh, yeah, a lot of people know about Ban Ban Springs because yep. it kind of sits on a road that goes up through to Gainda, Mandabra, okay. Bahinia, yep. you know, those, those areas. I went to a one-teacher school. From grade one, there were two teachers, and then by grade five, six, seven, I think there was seven grades in one classroom. Wow. And uh, we had about 22 kids in the school. And so it was uh, in a unique experience in itself, I guess. And then I, my high school went on to my high school. And then for uh, the senior years, it was um, I completed those uh, those years through correspondence because yeah. there was no uh, no eleven twelve in the era. Grew up in a typical farmhouse. Yeah. Um, on Colston Lakes is a beautiful, rich valley of fertile, rich red volcanic soil. Okay. You can grow anything. Yeah. Um, so a lot of crops on the red soil, so running around and gets into everything, everything you can't get yeah. it out. But beautiful, beautiful to grow crops. Yeah, uh, a okay. lot of crops grown in the area, peanuts and sorghum and yep. grain and um, and then there's a lot of you know cattle country. Beautiful. Uh, my father always bred. He had a stud, an original stud uh, with Brahmins, uh, white Brahmins, wow. and then. Um, dad sort of was a very industrious, ambitious sort of gentleman. So he accumulated 
quite a bit of property in another, uh, you know, number of other paddocks and one thing and another that were close by into the region and then eventually bought a, um, with the family and my brothers, went to a cattle station northwest of Hewenden, mm. uh, which is a different kind of country. It's a little bit more rugged and yeah, very much a farming agricultural type family. And I, that's probably why I have a deep respect for primary producers yeah. uh, and farmers and growers and creators because you know, it's it's in my DNA. Mm. I, I respect it deeply. It's I, I've seen it firsthand. I've seen the hard work. It's farming is a a vocation or a way of life. It's not really just a a job. You know, yeah. it's got to be more than that. You immerse yourself in it. Yeah. And I guess I probably maybe you know some of that has rubbed off on me, and yeah. that's probably why I immerse myself in what I do. But I have a deep respect for how people create food. Yeah. And you know, create things. It's it's. There's a story behind every single product that is created and made. Yeah, you know, we often say you can take the the girl out of the country, but not the country out of the girl. And I feel like you've brought that ethos of of a country girl growing up, and you can see that to the Sunshine Coast here. Mm. Um, you know, Sunny Coast is is not a metro uh, area by any means, but it's certainly developing into. Something quite big, you know. You've got the the Olympics coming here in in ten years, and we'll, we'll chat more about that in a second. But um, I think that what you're bringing a country feel to the local producers here on the Sunshine Coast as well. What do you think you you learnt from your childhood that you have kind of bought into your the way you conduct yourself here on the Sunshine Coast? Um, I think it's look. I guess the thing that I love, I love people, and I guess you want to bring that community spirit and that connect. Activity yeah. Throughout your team, throughout the community. And also because of my appreciation, I suppose, for every single product that comes through and sits on our shelves and understanding and respecting the story that sits behind it, yeah. I want to share that journey with others and connect people through storytelling and embracing and highlighting the food, the families who create it. What is there not to love about that? And, mm. and the more people understand about you know, what they consume and how it gets there, providing that deeper connection to to not just the product but how it's created yes. and, and all the amazing things it does as well, yeah. the uniqueness of it too and the diversity and all those things. It's an absolute privilege. Yeah. It, I just see it as an absolute privilege, a pleasure and an honour to be able to, uh, uh, you know, somebody has this creative idea, they, they innovate and they make this beautiful product or even if it's just beautiful fresh lettuce. Yeah. A family on the Sunshine Coast grows it, nurtures it, yep. harvests it, packages it with love mm. and and attention and focus. And then it's hand-picked, hand-packaged, three o'clock in the afternoon, it's ready. It's delivered into my stores the next morning and it's sitting on your lunch or dinner plate yeah. that, that very day or the next day. Fresh beautiful quality, you know, that's one example of what people can enjoy. And me being a a person that has the privilege of actually, that's delivered to my store and then I have have the privilege of being able to offer it to you in my community to come and enjoy that and, and partake. 
What's well, interesting that, like, I've personally learned, I've got a family with uh, three kids, and just listening to this podcast and the interviews you've been doing, it's really challenged us how we shop as a family. You know, I hear their stories, and then I'll go home and chat to my wife, and 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 we have decided, you know, specifically with with milk at the moment, we're we're only buying local milk, right? It's 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 just, it's a non-negotiable right now, and it's something that we're really really passionate about to to continue buying local milk. Because because we understand, you know, you're right. The shelf life is longer because uh, it gets into your hands quicker. And mm. I know that's it's a silly thing to to like not think about, you know. Yeah. But when you pr- bring it up and you go, if it's if it's locally produced and it gets into your hands quicker, it's going to last longer. A hundred percent. And I like you don't think about that really when you you have a busy family just quickly shopping and that. But it, it's not rocket science. No, I, know. I feel a bit it, dumb, like just discovering that. Yeah, no, no, not at all. Because it's just the consciousness. Yeah. Of, often we are shoppers. Generally, probably. 90% of shoppers are unconscious shoppers. They're habitual. Yes. So when you fly into the store, you're basically just grabbing things that you're used to buying. You're in a hurry. You don't think about it. Yep. There's a small selection of shoppers, which we call the conscious and mindful shopper, which are actually starting to make decisions based around because they've been inspired or whatever. And this is what the Locavores program is. It's inspiring our shoppers to understand and educate them, entice and excite them about the amazing diverse range of beautiful local products that we have. And the other thing is, yes, it's fresher. It's the best quality because it's grown in and made in the most pristine environment. And it's planet friendly because yes. it's travelled the least amount of miles. So yeah. the lettuce that's grown in Pomona, delivered to my store in Bridgian Beach, fifteen minutes down the road, it hasn't been transported across yeah. the, the globe the universe. Yeah. Yes. Um, you know, <laughs> and so there's so many benefits, but it's also supporting other local families yeah. in our community and creating jobs for others and and the whole program, it started basically we started buying local products, as you know, decades ago. And then we made it a key focus in the business and created the Locavores program, which supports local producers and growers. And the Locavores program, now we buy about, just within our five stores, we we probably generate back into the local community about, well, about $23 million now. Wow. Into the Sunshine Coast community. It's amazing. With our local Providence and, and um, procurement. And when you think about every dollar that's spent in a local community and then it, with that multiplier impact, if you times that by four because of the money that's regenerated in a community, you're, yeah. you're talking about sustainable $100 million uh, wow. in financial or, or economic benefit to yeah, the wow. Sunshine Coast region. Just because our shoppers, and we are very grateful for their support, yeah. buying the local product, yep. then we're able to in turn support our community in that way. Yeah. That's incredible. The Locavore program is like when I found out about it, I'm just thinking it's, it's a great idea. That that idea of supporting local producers, that's obviously come from you growing up and appreciating people using their hands to create the product and, and quickly get it into into stores as well. When the idea came to you, mm. the Locavore program, how did that kind of like then become something? Yeah. We'd been, you know, I've been trying to source local products probably about the mid-2000s, really started to try. And we'd been buying locally a few products here and there. Yes. They weren't around. You couldn't find them. You'd have to really, it was quite a process to actually find these unique and diverse products that, that I was really. Well, word of mouth, wasn't it? Like, uh, you know, well, it was visiting, Jenny's growing this. 
true, yes. You know, like the local pumpkin man. Yeah. Oh, gosh, he was just <laughs> absolutely – he's gorgeous. You he used him. to oh, – I do. Oh, well, he's – not with us yeah. anymore, sadly. But this is just one, you know, yeah. if this doesn't ignite your passion, nothing will. You think about this. The pumpkin man, he used to, he'd, he'd plant that seed, nurture that product, yep. planted it, harvested it, nurtured it, harvested it, packed it, brought it into the store in the back of his old vintage truck. The pumpkin man, gorgeous. <laughs> and then in, when in season, he would then bring in corn. Yeah. So these were the early days and they weren't there wasn't local produce in abundance that you could access easily. I would proactively go and seek out whatever I could. I'd visit the Noosa farmers markets or your Monday markets and I found some products that way. There's some early ones that we brought in the essential grain which we are still selling today. Yeah. Sue's cuisine, she sells um, all sorts of dips and cheese and stuff like that. Feta, we've still got, we still stock that line. They were the early kind of ones that we brought on, and I would laboriously go and just suss out little old, like, like little tiny delis and cafes and things like that. Yeah. And try and buy the actual product, come home, sit there on my computer, type away, make contact, send them an email. I want to stock your product. It was laborious, yeah. Yeah. but um, that's how we got kicked off. We kind of started to accumulate a few, one by one, a few more, a few more, a few more. And I got to a point where I just kind of went, I want to really communicate this to our customers so yes. they can identify that yep. this is a local product, it's special, it's yep. unique, it's gorgeous. So I was sitting on my computer, as you do, one Sunday afternoon, and I'm just Googling local, local product, local markets, yep. do, 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 You're do, a do, fast do. typer. Yeah, I am a fast typer. I'm a speed <laughs> typist, actually, thanks to my teacher, Mrs. Brittnell. Oh, there you go. Big shout out to, to Britters. Yeah. yeah. How many words per minute, by the way? Oh. Don't want to distract you from no, your story. Darling. I haven't had time to measure that one lately. It's yeah. a stat you can put on your resume yeah, there, Ros. Oh, it's important. It is. No, accuracy. it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Accuracy. Anyway, what were we talking speed. about? Uh, going back to sitting on my computer yes. one afternoon. Anyway, I this locavores just popped up. The, the word locavores. The word locavores, which yeah. is actually a Wikipedia term. Okay. And when I'm reading it, I'm going – this is it, this is it, this is it, this yeah. is it, this is it, this is it. This, this is, is the it. ethos of what you're yeah. building, yeah. Um, and I I built it on the back of that word and yeah. created the the symbol. It's so important to be able to create something visible in the store that a customer yeah. could identify. So we created the Locavores program or yeah. food program with the symbol and that's how it started. That was in 2013 we launched that officially. Yeah. And through that program, of course, we've onboarded. I think we would have probably had maybe maybe 20 suppliers at that stage, maybe a few more. But uh, now we have closer to 200. Yeah, wow. Um, I don't have to go and hunt them down any, in, anymore, even though I, I quite enjoy that, I yeah. suppose. But And discovering and uncovering new ones. But, you know, we are very, very grateful uh, to the Food and Agribusiness Network. And that's in abundance here on the Sunshine Coast that – we have a lot of people that come to us uh, with yeah. their products, and and do you know it's really important for them. Let's let's talk about them and why it's 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 important because if they come to White's IGA. It, it's often their first entry to market point or platform. Yeah. So they've started. You know, we've been hearing about it. Pepe Leon, you know, he's working out of a, a food van, and yes. then he goes to the, new, the the farmers markets and sells his product, and then he comes to White's IGA and he gets he extends that platform, builds the awareness, yeah. and builds his brand. And then he goes into another IGA, another group, another, yeah. and there's been stories like that 
Wombai Cheese in 2013, Graham, who was the founder of Wombai Cheese, came to us and we were at the very first supermarket yeah. to stock his cheese. They were the early days when he was establishing his brand. And now look at that incredible yeah, product. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, that's fantastic. We've over the the course of the podcast that you've released, you know, a few episodes now, we've had a, a really in depth chats with these local producers. You know, you got Bridget from Cocoa Pod. You, you've got the Bee Man. <laughs> He's that old Charlie, absolute legend. Through these chats that you've had with them, is there anything like a common theme that you've you've felt that you didn't know about these producers before you actually started talking to them? There are some really surprising elements. Yeah. Uh, and talking about, say, Charlie and his story, there are certainly things that you don't know and understand. And just his early, how he started, how he kind of found himself in this, yeah. in this, in in being a bee man, his early starts, and his connections to some of the most, the the biggest brands in honey in the world, or in Australia anyway, Capilano. Yeah. And the work that he does with the university, and they're the sorts of bits and pieces you don't necessarily know. Yeah. And uh, But there's just story after story after story. And going back to these supporting each other through good times and bad, this is the other really interesting and surprising element about the relationships that you, you build. You know, in the good times, we share the good times, we support each yes. other and we collaborate and everyone's happy and we're having a great time. Yeah. But in the more challenging times is when really the rubber hits the road, yeah. where relationships become really critical, actually. Essential, yeah. And, you know, there's a, an, an example in February this year when we had the floods. And so we had stores that were isolated. We couldn't get product through. There were The trucks couldn't get up and down the Bruce Highway. You know, it was, remember it was blocked yeah. for about three days, four yeah. days. So any of you kind, kind of, of stopped, didn't mainstream, it? yeah. So yeah. any of your mainstream stock couldn't get through. Yeah. So we became more reliant, of course. Our shelves were still pretty well stocked full. Because we were able to draw on our local supply chain, yeah. even though they had their challenges too. Yeah. But we were we had fresh bread because we, uh, Noosa Gourmet, who's a scratch bakery in Noosa, was able to provide us with fresh bread for our customers. Yes. But here's a cracking story. We had run out of milk because there was Norco and some yep. of those other big brands and Kenilworth dairies, you know, couldn't get product through because the highway was cut both ways, mm. right? Anyway, so we were running low on milk and so we contacted Ross Hopper at Mullaney Dairies and said, Ross, mate, we're out of milk. Have you got anything? Can you help us out? <laughs> and he said, yeah, sure, no drama. You'll have to come and get it yourself. Yep. And we went, yep, that's too easy. So we got our maintenance manager, Craig, who's actually Michael's brother, <laughs> in his high-vis gear, got him in the refrigerated van, delivery van, and um, and Craig went up to Mullaney Dairies and and went into the warehouse and, and he's quickly on the phone. He said, there's, there's no one here. Like, anyway, so Regan got on the phone to Ross Hopper and said, mate, there's no one there. And he said, no, just go and help yourself. <laughs> Let yourself in. Yeah, yes. Go and help yourself. <laughs> Put the so, kettle on. Yeah, Craig just went in, stocked up the, the truck. There's and a bit of trust it. around with that, isn't there? Wow. And that and that's the power. It's a great story. Of, yeah, and that's the power of relationships. And, yeah. you know, the relationship that we've had with Ross for probably two decades. And yeah, wow. Those enduring Incredible. relationships and the trust that is developed so in the good times you celebrate, but in the more challenging times, that becomes really crucial. Yeah, incredible. In, in the community. Ros, I've got a, uh, a scenario for you right now. Okay, so I'll, I want you to, to help me out here. I am a, uh, 
a, a middle-aged man with a wife. I've got three kids. I've just been invited to a last-minute uh, beach picnic down at Moffat Beach, and I've got nothing prepared, right? So I pop into a White's IGA, and I, I know we're meeting up with some friends uh, who are doctors, and I really want to impress them and, and make myself seem smart around them and, and knowledgeable about our local area as well. So I pop into a White's IGA, maybe at Baringa. Uh, let's go to Baringa, and I have to get a picnic together, right? Mm. If I was to impress the crew that we're just heading to, we've got the picnic blanket, we've got the basket, we've got all the essentials. Uh, what is a what is a Ros White suggestion? What local products do I get to put together this pack and impress my doctor friends? Goodness, you put me on the spot. Yeah, don't you? I did. Uh, How well do you know your local products? Let's oh, go. yeah, okay. No worries whatsoever. So I would be looking at a beautiful Andy pasto with some charcuterie, like a charcuterie type platter. So beautiful. There's some gorgeous ham that you could add into it, Peachester ham. Which Peachester, we, um, yeah. Okay, yeah. So that's made by Barry Family Butchers. At Great. Luar. And you could add some beautiful, fresh, home, locally grown tomatoes. Yeah. There's a little bit of freshness, um, which we grow, which we source from Yandina. Okay. Some uh, beautiful basil, some fresh basil or some fresh herbs that you could add in just to sort of add a bit of pep and, and, uh, and excitement Where to, are they coming to the platter. From? The... Come from Nambour, the Dipple family. That's okay. a fourth generation farmers. Then you would maybe add some little white goat cheese, which is a marinated or beautiful feta, Persian yes. style feta that's created by Karen Lindsay, little white goat. And Love um, it. so that she's around and she actually raises her goats and makes the cheese. And incredible lady. She'll, I'll get her on as one of my guests one day. Okay. Um, some beautiful silver tongue foods crackers, which yep. are hand rolled, made in Ruchidor, and they even have embedded in them sometimes some edible flowers uh, from Green Shed at Palmwoods. Yes. They would be a beautiful side accompaniment uh, to go with your Wombai cheese, yes. your Kenilworth cheese, My your Melanie cheese. Bit, you have, have to have a selection of cheeses and you can't have that beautiful antipasto shishudri platter without some lovely condiments, which you would obviously go to Ugly Duck. Yes. Preserves and she add some of her beautiful turmeric and nectarine or the quince paste or any oh, I love those. quince paste. Yes, I love quince, quince paste. paste. And you, a platter <laughs> is not a platter without Malulabar prawns. Yes, okay. So absolutely Malulabar prawns and fresher than fresh, wild caught. We saw some from the from the dock at Malulabar. Yes. And then you can make some seafood sauce with some beautiful Mulaney Dairies cream and some – It's I'm amazing. I'm not going to tell you my secret recipe. I could keep going on. <laughs> some oh. lettuce that's grown at Pomona. Yeah. Uh, jet Fresh. Uh, I'm impressed. Then, I, I'm impressed. I kind of threw you on the spot there because yeah, I, I wanted did. to see. You did. <laughs> I wanted to I see. Know I'm all, babe. How, how, well, do you know what? That's impressive. That's the authentic side of you, Roz, is that is you're not a, you're not just there to run the stores. You're there to actually invest in the products, which I, I think is really super impressive. And I think that I'm going to be able to impress my friends with that, to be honest. Yeah. They, they, they'll be. I, I challenge you to remember the shopping list now. <laughs> oh, I've got the recording. <laughs> I'll, I'll replay it. <laughs> uh, I'm not silly. Now, now, the local program is, is fantastic. If people want to get involved in that, if they're, if they're starting to produce something, what's the best way for them to contact you directly or, mm. or jump on to the, the White's IGA Facebook page? How do they get in touch with you if they want to be a part of the program? Yeah, LinkedIn, email, uh, any one of our stores. I mean, we've got stores full of advocates. Yes. 
it's not hard to find somebody within the Whites IGA family to ask about our locavores program and find the right avenues to get your product into store. I have a fabulous buying team. Uh, we have a group support office and um, I have an incredibly passionate, driven, enthusiastic locavores team uh, that help bring the products into store and bring them to life. Regan, Kimmy, Robert and, and all the store managers, the staff. I mean, it's it's embedded. It's in our induction. Yes. You know, the locavores program. We actually even bring it, we interweave it into the advertisements <laughs> to yeah. understand the locavores program. And I love that. Now, a customer can walk into any one of our stores and our staff are talking as passionately about this program as I do yep. because they understand how fabulous it is and what it, what, what it brings, what it delivers, what yep. it creates. It's, it, there's nothing not to love. It's, a, it's just a win, 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 win for everyone. Yeah, it really is. It really is. And it's exciting to be a part of it. Locavore aside, now I've heard – this is something about the businesswoman that is Ros Wines – I've heard recently that you might be competing in the 2032 Central Coast Olympics. Of is that is that as the, a locavore? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Rolling some pumpkins down, <laughs> some <laughs> curling that's some pumpkins. Such a grand idea. <laughs> Actually, that's a pretty good yeah, idea. Yeah, we'll yeah. talk about that later. Tell me about your role as Ros White in the 2032 Olympics regarding the Sunshine Coast. Yeah, oh, look, it's very thrilling and exciting to to be leading the conversation on the Sunshine Coast on behalf of our community, with our community, with some amazing people by my side. So Duncan Armstrong, who we all know is an, Olympic, an Olympian, and Brendan Burkett, who's a Paralympian, both here on the Sunshine Coast, and then an incredible team that is around us. And we are community-driven, community-led representatives for our community, Sunshine Coast 2032, to optimise and to bring to life, to amplify brand Sunshine Coast to the world and to inspire the next generation of athletes so that the kids that are competing in clubs now, imagine, Dave, inspiring them through conversation and through connection, inspiring them to think and to to compete in 2032 in their hometown as an Olympian or a Paralympian. So cool. And that's what this uh, 20, Sunshine Coast 2032 committee is all about mm. to or the, the, the organisation that we're fortunate to lead. But also I would love to plug into some of the really interesting, not just the local products, but I would love to really do a deep dive and really plug into some of the local indigenous food the, food, the indigenous food and agribusiness and amplify that to the world because that's our culture. Mm. And so I have a, I have a, I'm very, very excited to integrate into our plans to create a whole indigenous spectacle uh, within the Forest Glen store. Oh, and really? So we will be introducing a lot more of those foods into like our Like a specific range. section? Yes. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And, and so there's some fabulous what local What would that include though, here, My Dilly Bag. Well, it's it's a whole range of things. Yeah. Again, coming back to condiments and relishes and pastas and things like that. Yeah, wow. But they've, they're, they're created by, uh, like, for instance, Dale Chapman, who's an Indigenous chef, located on the Sunshine Coast, and she's got a base at Forest Glen. Yeah. My Dilly Bag, which uh, we've worked with Dale before in a different – she had a different brand. So you bring um, bu essentially bush tucker to yes, two yeah, white yeah, IGAs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, so that's, but, that's silly that it hasn't been thought of before, yeah. but what an incredible well, thing to do. It's in, Well, it's about – 
creating awareness again. Yeah. So like the Locavores program where you where you cool. highlight it, yeah. where you tell the stories, where you educate and you inspire and you entice people to try it and bring it to life through conversation and, and, and you know, so I want to do that with, you know, as best we can with Indigenous foods. And in my role as the chair of the Sunshine Coast 2032, you know, I have an amazing committee where we will be basically be focusing across every sector within the Sunshine Coast and the community. So sports and recreation, of course, mm. business and tourism, arts and culture, community and volunteers, and really important things like infrastructure and, and environment and sustainability. And then looking at those as a bit of a, a sector connector, how do we amplify and bring to life all the opportunities that exist within those sectors? And our job is to connect support, unite and liaise with the community to make sure the community understands what the opportunities are, mm. get on board and let's go. And let's just, let's rock this place in yeah. 2032 okay. and and welcome our international visitors, international athletes yep. and showcase what we have, which is brand Sunshine Coast, which is unique in itself. And you're one of the best people to do that here on the Sunshine Coast to, to promote that as well because I know how entrenched you are in the local community and as people have listened to this podcast can hear that as well. You know, you're, So you're not competing though? Well, look, you know, I've still got time. Uh, Plenty of time. Well, you've got yeah, 10 years, yeah. I've always been a pretty strong swimmer, so, you know, I might... Um, Go swimming, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I would like to see javelin with, like, you know, a zucchini or something like that, you know. <laughs> yeah, pumpkin, pumpkin discus. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, you often finish off your podcast with asking a motto of your guests. So I guess I will throw it to you. Mm, what's, what's your motto uh, and what's a motto with you? Yeah. You know, one the one thing that really just does come to mind, and I know it's been Nike's actually stole it from me, um, <laughs> just do it. I think... Um, you, you created the tick too, didn't you? Yeah, that, yeah, 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 totes. No, I just... Um, <laughs> Yeah, look, just do it. You know, that's I, I you know, when it when it all boils down, when you think about the little girl I was growing up and that's how I lived my life as a kid, just do it. And it was just do it. Just get on that horse, just get on that tractor, just scramble up those rails, just stand in front of that ball, just kick that ball around or whatever. Just do it. And so I guess that's probably imparted to me as a child through the way my background and is my philosophy and my approach to everything I do. Don't stand there wondering because when you – and have the courage to walk through that door, you have no idea what's on the other side, but it could very well be the biggest opportunity of your life. And you will know that there's another door beyond that and another door beyond that and mm. another door beyond that. Mm. And you may not have it all figured out, but it doesn't matter. Just get started. Just take action. The clarity will come. And the biggest thing about opportunity is first recognising it. Then second thing is taking action. And if you don't do those two things, you will be left maybe wondering. And mm. I don't want to be left wondering. I want. I don't want to leave any stone unturned. unturned yeah. That's and great. 
Well, you should register. Just uh, do it. Uh, trademark that before someone else gets it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's uh, that's something you should hold on to. Ros White, it's been an absolute pleasure just sitting down with you and and having a chat with you. We just we literally scratched the surface because I, I I'm getting to know you a little bit better. You know, in my radio days, I had a little bit to do with you. Would do some promotion with with White's IGA, but you know, you you often see these these people in the community and you go, oh, they're you know they're obviously just wanted to promote community because that's the right thing to do but getting to know you a little bit more and and digging a little bit deeper with the local program as well has been uh, nothing short of inspiring to go there is authentic connection that you actually have with these people and an empathy and a, and, a, and a passion to support local producers here on the sunshine coast so thank you for offering yourself to to everyone here on the Sunshine Coast, thank you for, for chatting with these local producers and telling their stories as well, who ne- not necessarily would have the opportunity to reach an audience that you've got. So uh, well done, Roz White. You're an absolute legend and Thanks, a beautiful Dave. human. And uh, I- I'm going to hand the reins back over to you because you're a much better interviewer than, 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 that's than not true. I am. You're, you're, you are the media trained personality. <laughs> I know that's, I'm just you know, a baggy ass grocer, remember? Yeah, oh, that old chestnut. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you, Roz White, and we'll catch you next week. Cheers, Dave. Thank you. A locavore is a person who chooses to consume food that is grown, raised, or produced locally. This is the Locavore Podcast, brought to you by White's IGA.